It's a good day to be in church. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. I hope you're ready for it. I hope you came hungry, canceled breakfast. Matthew chapter 16. Um, let's jump in. Verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, Link Church, he asked. I like that he asks us and gives us the permission to answer. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you. By the way, Simon heard that word blessing. Make no mistake, the stuff that he did following that, he knew it was linked to the blessing. How many of you are ready for a blessing? Can I just get honest with you, Link Church? If you know where the blessing flows from, would you not keep going back to it? And so Simon picks up on that thought. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my Church, ecclesia, movement, gathering, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound, and whatever you bound in heaven, sorry, whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples, don't tell anyone. And it says in verse 21, from this time Jesus begins to explain to them his death, burial, and resurrection. The title of my message, if you're writing down notes, is If You Know... A couple of young people on TikTok in the room, that's awesome. If you know, R-Y-K-Y-K, if you know, you know. That was actually Peter's hashtag a long time before it came up on TikTok. I'll be honest, it was in the Bible right back there because Peter knew something and when you know, you know. I want to preach a message that kind of dials back a bit. You may have heard that myself and my daughter and Mark Slev and his daughter and the Psalms family were in Israel with Eric and Ben. It was just an amazing moment for us. We're sussing out the, the tour scenery because next year we're hoping to do two linked tours and the year after another two and the year after another two. And so if you're wondering why we would do that, just come and speak to me. I'll win you over in a moment. But it's not about the tour right now. It's about what God was teaching us while we were there. And so we travel around Israel and what you start to see is how everything we read in the story is connected to where it all began. It's quite difficult, come on, let's be honest, to make sense of the story we're a part of sometimes when we've arrived in like chapter 13 and we don't know what happened in the beginning. Like you can read Genesis and you can read Acts and you can read all these stories and they're amazing and they speak to us. And you don't have to go to Israel to encounter Jesus. He's right here in Belito, Link Church this morning, I can promise you that. But what I love about going to this land is it connects us to the story. It steadies us in the story that's been told for a long time. You walk the footsteps of Jesus. You stand on the ground that he stood on. You encounter the people that he was a part of in the Jewish nation. It's a very precious place. And so what I wanted to do today is I wanted to use the story of Matthew chapter 16. I want to show you a moment that we experienced in Israel. And I want to dial back. We've been in this series called uh, Our Finest Hour, Conviction of a faithful or spiritful believer, the book of Acts. But I want to dial back a little bit for a moment and to say that Acts is a book of action. You can look at it and see the behaviors of this early disciple and apostle kind of culture, and you can look at it and go, I wish I had more of that. But I want to dial back today a little bit. Because what you see as behavior began as belief. 
What you see is activity started with a fresh awareness. And in Matthew chapter 16, Peter gets activated in a new awareness for who Jesus is. So when we read about him later on in Acts, and he's got unparalleled boldness, and people are coming alive, and he's preaching like he's never preached, and he's doing things he's never done, and he's not scared of prison, and he's not scared of people, and we all want to be like Peter, we've got to dial back to where his awareness of what this thing was about came alive. And so I want to preach to you from Matthew 16, if you know, you know. Somebody shout out, this is good news. Glad you're excited, Link Church. I am certainly excited. In Matthew chapter 16, Peter is making a statement we're all well aware of. Jesus, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. But to understand the context of that statement changes the whole dynamic of what you're going to receive this morning. And you're going to get blessed. I just know that you are. It's going to give you a steady footing, sure confidence. And so the book of Matthew, there are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Each gospel represents a different nature of Jesus, all told the story of Christ with a different slant. Matthew is a book that shows Jesus as king. Mark, a book that shows Jesus as servant, depicted by an ox. Luke, a book that shows Jesus as human. You'll notice this because the key to Bible stories hangs close to the door. And so the first few lines of any chapter in the Bible will give away what the story is kind of about. So in Matthew, he starts the story talking about Jesus is from the line of David, who's from the line of Abraham. We're talking about kings here. Matthew's a book of kings. And so throughout the book of Matthew, he's trying to showcase Jesus as king. He rules, he reigns. Kings bring safety. Kings bring security. Kings establish boundaries and blessings. How many of you know that that's a good king? Boundaries and blessings. But perhaps more than anything, kings bring a generational legacy. Now, we don't know much about kings anymore. Times have changed a little bit. But certainly in that day and age, and as far as we can understand, kings were there to establish boundaries and blessings and a kingdom and an economy. But more than anything, a generational fruitfulness. And so he's showing how Jesus is going to do this and unlock this. And I just love that because... Sometimes we wonder where it fits in, like, who do you say I am is an amazing statement that he gives each of us the privilege of answering. I can't answer that for you. Link can't answer it for you. Can't answer it for your children. As a parent, my greatest prayer is not that my kids would grow up knowing what I know, it's that my kids would grow up encountering the God that I've encountered. I want them to get to that point in their lives. Can I get an amen where they say, I choose Jesus as king of my life. Not I choose dad's religion. I choose dad's church. Look, if they didn't choose Link, I'd kick them out the house. But I mean, that's another. <laughs> Don't tell them I said that. They, they might end up in America. Then I can't choose Link. Maybe we'll end up in America too. Who knows? Link church, I mean, who knows? But the thing is, we can't make that decision unless we have had a personal revelation. And in this moment, Peter has a personal revelation of Jesus as king. And it happens in a place called Caesarea Philippi. Now, this little area was commonly known as an area of great pagan worship or uh, non-godly worship, idol worship, if you like. And so we went to this place. It's very beautiful. Um, there is a picture of some broken down idols. I don't know if you guys can put it up for me. I'll just give you a snapshot. Our photography wasn't always the best because we were so caught up in the moment. Um, can you put it? There we go, side screens. So what would be taking place in this area uh, known as Caesarea Philippi is there would be idols built to honor gods and the worship would come and they would sacrifice animals 
on this mountain. Now, this was Mount Hermon. Uh, it's the top end of the Israel border. A uh, very cool thought is that it's, the, it's a high point, Mount Hermon. And so what the people of that day believed was that the mountain, because it's got this stream that comes out its kind of foot, they believed that the mountain was the mountain of fertility. And so they, they built these gods to honor the, what they thought were the gods of fertility. And what they would do is they would go and celebrate gods like Zeus, uh, gods like there was one called the goat god of Pan, which is quite a cool thought because they named it the goat god of Pan because when shepherds in the field would supposedly see the god, they would panic. And so they called it the goat god of Pan. True story. The Bible's full of exciting nuggets. And so they put up all these idols and they would go and sacrifice to them in this area known as Caesarea Philippi, or this is a place known as Panias. Panic, Panias, God of Pan, and so everything's connected. And so we went and stood there, but, but what Jesus did is he took a journey. This is a couple of hundred Ks from where he spent most of his life around the Sea of Galilee, and he took his boys up to this mountain to prove a point or to allow them to see something in the physical that was actually deeply spiritual. And Jesus stands there in Matthew chapter 16 before the idols of Zeus and the idols of the goat god of Pan, and you name it, of that day. And he stands there, and I can imagine him smiling. They've taken a long journey. They know about this place. They've heard things about this place. And now they get there, and everything they've heard is static. It's rock formation. And Jesus stands there alive, and he says, so who do people say I am? And I think at that stage, Peter's going, yeah, I don't know what you're doing here. And it says they say, some say Jeremiah, John the Baptist, some say some of the prophets, and Jesus goes, huh, and you? Who do you say I am? And Peter gets it. Matthew's a book of kings. Jesus came as king, and Peter goes, ah, you are Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. That word living gives away the context of the whole Scripture because he's standing before the dead. I was, listening to, um, I was listening to a conversation recently, and it was different religions in a room. And you've got to love it when they put different religions in a debating tank. So glad I haven't put my hand up to do that. I wouldn't do very well at that, I'll be honest. I just love people. I couldn't be bothered debating my religion. I know Jesus is awesome. And so I, um, I was watching this thing, and it goes around the room. And obviously there's the Hindu and the Muslim, and there's the uh, sensationalist, and there's all these kind of different people. And uh, it gets to the Christian, and they say, so what sets your God apart from ours? And he just smiles. He says, he talks back to me. You see, friends, something happens when in our Christian journey, Christian journey, religious journey, go to church journey, read the Bible journey, when we stand before this thing and we realize we don't serve a living God. This is not a routine thing, formality that we do to get something from a God that doesn't respond to us. This is not a transactional thing. This is a relational thing. We serve a living God that stands head and shoulders among the dead, and He gives back to us in word and in ways. And Peter has the revelation, if you know, tick-tock nothing. <laughs> and Jesus says, blessed are you. And Peter goes, I like that word, blessing. I'll keep going at this. And he makes a whole lot of mistakes by then. But Peter has made the decision that he's the living God. And if he's living, 
that means he's moving. And if he's moving, that means I got a choice. Do I move with him or without? You see, what's amazing is in the static nature of dead gods or idols, they would keep returning to the same place with no outcomes. With Jesus, he keeps leading us to new places. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He knows me. He restores me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there's a journey to this Christian walk that is leading us toward greener pastures because he's a living God. I wonder if today there's some of us sitting in this room that have a static faith and God wants to light it up again. And so I want to give you just three thoughts from this scripture. I'll be here for about four and a half hours if that's okay. Ash, I hear you laughing. Congrats. Keegan, Ash, engagement. We are so excited. Come on, give everyone a wave. You know we're excited to celebrate this. What an exciting moment. Three things I believe that happen in this scripture that we could take heart of today to live in the abundance of Jesus as king in our lives. The first is this, write this down, protect the source. It's quite amazing in this story, uh, this, this river, I'm going to show you something in just a moment, but it, it bursts out of the foot of this Mount Hermon. Now, Mount Hermon is the top border of Israel, and the Jewish people believe that God put the source of the water that supplies the Sea of Galilee, which is actually more of a freshwater lake, that basically sustains the the Israel nation on fresh water, the source of it is at the foot of the mountain. And the Jewish people believe God was kind enough to put it within their borders so that the enemy couldn't poison it. Here's the thing. Sometimes we allow the source of our life to fall outside the borders that God has entrusted to us. And so we feed off things that poison us when the source of life is meant to refresh us. Can I talk a little bit more about idols for just a moment? You see, what I love about this story is Jesus stands before the idols. I got an example I want to give you. Can I get five volunteers? Come on up here. Who wants to come and join me? Let's go. I'm going to choose some. There are Pierre, JJ, Burries, come and join me. Kieran, let's go. James, let's go. Five, give it up for them. Don't they look amazing? And I was thinking about this idea of protecting the source. You see, it's amazing. These dead gods... What they would do is they would sacrifice animals to these dead gods. Come stand in the middle here. And they would sacrifice animals to these dead gods. And at the foot of this mountain was a river that flowed. And as they would make the sacrifice, the blood of the animals would fill the stream and it would pollute the water. That's what happens when you worship idols. It pollutes the living water. And so I was thinking about things that can really get in the way of the living water. And I just want to make it practical for some people. So you guys can each represent a few things. I was thinking about how when the news is above the source of life, you've got problems, right? Um, uh, I was thinking about uh, when yourself, or I wrote, I wrote ego there, because, you know, we all got ego. I got ego, you got an ego. But when our ego is above the source of life, um, you've got problems on your hands, amen? Uh, money, no one wants to say anything to that one that... <laughs> They're like, my money is God's money, really? All right, relationships, that's an interesting one. <laughs> Have you ever thought that relationships can be an idol? Have you ever thought that pleasing a relationship over pleasing God could be a problem? Okay, we're going to keep moving. Um, oh, that's also a goodie. Kids, 2022, top three, Children. Anyway, I'm just going to help you today. See what happens is when the idol gets in front of the source of life, when we sacrifice to idols, in other words, when we give value to the idols, blood flows down the stream that living water was meant to flow in. 
I'm going to show you what Jesus does in just a moment. I've got a few more. You can use your other hand. There's one over there. I know the Springboks won, but it can be a problem if we fall in love with the sports. All right. Anyway, I've got one more. You can hold that there, social media. There's more. There's more. There's a whole lot more. I mean, you guys could fill another 10 stages with idols that we have in our lives. Amen? But here's the challenge. We don't know we're doing it, but just like Caesarea Philippi, we've built static statues where we keep giving of our best and they keep delivering nothing in return. And what Jesus does is he stands and he goes, all righty, are you going to make the call? And Peter goes, yeah, I'm going to go with you because those things don't work. So what happens for us in 2022 is we go, I'm going to go with Jesus, not the news report. I'm going to go with Jesus, not my obsession with sport, which means before I don't know if I should say this, but before I book an event on a Sunday, I'm going to show up in the house of God. I'm going to go with Jesus. Look, don't be condemned by this. Be set free. Some of us are so concerned with ourselves that every single time someone disagrees with you, you come out guns blazing and it's a blood fest. Can I just keep preaching? All right. Every time somebody scratches your or my little egos, it's a blood fest. Because we're so worried about ourselves. Gosh, social media, let's be honest, I can keep moving. Money. You know, I'll be honest, people often ask me, Dill, does your church believe in tithing? I say, absolutely. Then they say, do you tithe? Good question, right? I say, absolutely. And you know why? Because this thing can take control of my life in an instant. Tithing makes sure that God is always on the throne of my finance. You see, if, if this is above God and my finance, the biggest idol, then it's polluting the very thing God has entrusted me to enjoy. Relationships, kids. You know, I want to set some parents free. You're Jesus' child before they are yours. Often Tess and I will have a date night, and uh, you guys look amazing, by the way. Dory, you stay right there. Often Tess and I will have a date night, and the kids will go, I can't believe you're going out again. I say, honestly, girls, mom came first. Like, very simple. And they're like, I can't believe you're doing this again. I'm like, honestly, you got, we were an amazing family before any of you little critters came along. We love you, and God loves you too. And he's going to do great things with your life. And we'll do many things that show you how beautiful and valued you are. But the one thing we won't do is compromise the relationship God gifted me with first, which is your mother or your father. Parents, i got to set you free. Don't idolize your children. You'll pollute the living waters of your marriage. And I want to show you in the background as they hold up these idols, what happens. So here I am living out this God story. Sorry, cameraman. And I'm living out this God story, and I'm just so excited about what God wants. But the problem is those things still stand above him. And I wonder why the, the, the water and the life doesn't flow in me like I, like I want it to. And I felt God say, do this analogy and flip it around. So you guys come stand down here. Off you go. And he said, if you put me first and they second, the living water will overrule the natural poisons that life will bring. You are not evil because these things have got a grip on your hearts. You're amazing human beings, but you've become polluted by things that are more important than him. 
And Jesus said, who do you say I am? And Peter goes, you are Christ, the son of the, what's the word? Living God. When life flows, dead things come to life. Even money comes to life. Kids come to life. Marriages come to life. Even the sports that you're obsessed with that you can't figure out the balance for. When Christ is at the throne, even those things come to life. And I want to show you what happened at Caesarea Philippi on the day of resurrection. It says there was a great earthquake. And all these idols that you saw just now, that's why they're falling down. They're not lasting. They never do. They kind of cracked up. But from that day, no more sacrifice took place at Panias. Look what started to flow. Do you guys have the video? I'm standing. In the background is the mountain you saw just now. And from that mountain, Mount Hermon, all those little caves in the mountain are different kind of sacrifice, sacrificial caves. And they would kind of do their thing. And, and then flowing from the mountain is enough water to sustain a country. Clean, pure water. So much so that you're not allowed to touch it because we would make it unclean. And, and, and I stood there and I thought, isn't that the picture of how God wants to protect the source? This is just point one. I might only finish on this one. But protect the source. God wants you to know that when he's first, the rest is blessed. When he stands above, the rest is in order. Friends, all these things they carry are good things and gifts. But if they be for God, they rob us of the life that flows. You guys can put your things down. Thank you so much. Give it up for this amazing crew of volunteers. Best sermon analogies ever. You see, when time, talent, and treasure isn't in surrender to the king, it doesn't carry the weight that he's designed for it to carry. In John um, chapter 7, it says this, 738. It says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus at a feast and he wants to make a statement. He stood and said in a loud voice, a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty. You see, this is so important, the connection. Because when those are there, we're always thirsty. But when they flip, we're satisfied. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, streams of living water will flow from within him. Someone said when we're in Israel, the country itself is a microcosm of all of life in faith. So what you see in Israel is what God wants to do in your life. And when you see him breaking down the idols and releasing living water, that's what he wants to do in our lives. He wants us to flow he wants us to have a spring in our step. He wants us to see things clearly. He wants us to walk into business meetings. When all the strategy is going crazy and they're prizing things that come first and you go, this is not who we are as a business. We're God honoring. This is how it's gonna work. Here's where the flow is and watch the living water come. I'm telling you, friends, in this nation right now, I prophesy there is an awakening of businessmen to the greatness of God in building economy. God builds economy. Did you get that? He actually wants the economy to boom and to grow and to flourish. The only challenge is he wants him to be on top. Protect the source. My God talks back to me. Tap your neighbor and say, my God talks back to me. If you know, you know. Peter knew that my God talks back to me. The second thing I wanted you to write down is settle the score. 
settle the score. Billy Graham said it so beautifully. He said, I've read the last page of the Bible. It's all going to turn out just fine. We've got to settle the score. We used to watching sports games where we're not sure of the outcome and we, we lose our voices. Shout out to everyone who's got no voice this morning. And we bite our nails and we, and we freak out and we, and we pull our sofas up and we, you know what I'm saying? Because we like, we're just not sure what the outcome is until the final whistle blows. I want you to know, friends, you've got to settle the score. Peter settled the score. I love it how he says, who do you say I am? Peter says, you're Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon. He settled the score. You're blessed when you settle the score. I'm not sure about this God thing. I'm not sure about this other thing. I'm, I don't know. My friend said and my uncle, uncle did and this thing happened and that thing happened. Hey, listen, my God talks back to me. He's the source of life. He's the beginning and the end. Nothing else sustains. It comes second. I'm settling the score. When I'm with him, I'm winning. And Jesus goes on to say, you're Peter on this rock. I'll build my church and the gates of Hades. You want to hear something cool? That place was known as the gates of Hades. The gates of hell. Because it has so much idol sacrifice that blood always flowed from its roots. And Jesus stands on the rock and says, and the gates of Hades. Notice how he connects Hades and idols. And the idols that rob from my people will no longer prevail against them. The very thing you feel you can't let go of is not in your strength anymore, it's in his. I'm not proving that I can stop this, quit that, build that, love this. I'm just choosing to surrender to Him. And when I surrender to Him, the gates of this will not prevail against me. Settle the score. I felt God saying to me, Dill, settle the score. I'm like, oh, what happens in South Africa 2023, 2024, 2025, 2029, 2045? What about my kids? What about their future? What about our schools? What about our government? What if? And he said, hey, settle the score. I win. You see, we're caught in chapter 13, friends. This is an eternal story. My daughter at the um, Western Wall we're walking, she's turning 14 soon. Everything was like, whoa. And we walked to the Western Wall, and it's quite a contentious place. I won't go into detail, but there's soldiers walking everywhere protecting that space. It's called the Dome of the Rock. And a soldier walks past us, and she is 19. And I, I said to her, excuse me, um, do you mind if I get a photo of you and my daughter? And she's like, yeah, no problem. And I had this moment as the four girls who range between 14 and 18 go and stand alongside a soldier in Israel who's 19. And that soldier's life is at stake daily. She's 19. She's not that different to my daughter. And I have this moment as I snap the photo, kind of going, thankfully, my daughter's in civvies. <laughs> you know, she's in soldier gear. And then God said to me, it's the same thing. Because you're seeing something that is temporary, but I'm building for eternity. Whether she's in soldier gear or civvies, whether they are dead too soon or alive for long, whether the business grows or dies, whether the marriage makes it or doesn't, we see temporary. God sees eternally. You've got to settle the score. Once we choose Jesus as king, the kingdom prevails, regardless of whether we do well or not. Can I get an Amen. Settle the score. You're Christ, the Son of the living God. Worship team, you can join me.
And the last thing I want to say as we, you see, it's convictions of a faithful believer. It's really cool in the book of Acts when they're operating, but it's important to know where it all began. I'm telling you, friends, there is a, there is a flow for your life. There is an authority for your life. There is an ease for your life. But sometimes these things got to get put down and he's got to get, you got to protect the source and you got to start settling the score. I'll be honest with you, sometimes this Bible doesn't speak loudly. The third thing I want to say, though, is you've got to savor his voice or surrender to his voice, perhaps better language. But savor his cool language because it says make the most of it. Just after Matthew 16, um, you should go and read it, by the way, later on when you're at home and going to bed tonight. Go and read Matthew 16, and as you're reading it, see all these things again. It's just going to light you up. And just after Matthew 16, it's what we call the transfiguration which is when Jesus leads his boys up a mountain, Peter, James, and John. Peter, John, James, did I get it right? Leads him up the mountain, and he is transfigured, which is he glows like, like, like supernatural light. And it says that beside him are Moses and Elijah, and it's quite an amazing moment. But when I speak about savoring his voice, listen to how beautiful this is. They, they, they're on there, because after Caesarea, after this Matthew moment where he says, you're son of the living God, Jesus says, okay, you're Peter, I build my church on this rock. And then from there, it's a high point. He literally starts his journey towards Jerusalem because he says he starts to talk about his death, burial, resurrection. He's like, he's ready to go. You see, once Jesus arrived at the point, Peter was still mixed up. Did you notice that in the story? But he knew that Jesus was king. Son of the living God. And the moment he gave Jesus that, Jesus was like, okay, we're good to go. This guy will be fine. He's got some issues, but so long as he understands who I am and who he is, it's going to be fine, right? Let's head to Jerusalem. I've got to die. I've got to be buried and I've got to be resurrected. So Peter, you can get on with the mission. That's when it starts to move. Life starts to flow when we put priority in Jesus in our lives. And he leads them up a mountain and it puts Moses that represents the law and Elijah, that represents the prophets in a vision, they join them. Well, in, in this moment, they join them, and Jesus begins to glow. And listen to what it says. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped this crew on the mountain, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, who I love, and I'm well pleased. Listen to him. I love the old King James. It just says, Hear him. Hear him. We got Moses that gave us the big ten. They were there to preserve society, but I mean, even though this broke us. And then you got the prophets that prophesied the future, and then you got Jesus that is all of it fulfilled. And they go, don't get caught up in governance, and don't get caught up in kind of being guided by these moments. Get caught up in grace. This is the thing. It captures everything. Don't get caught up in what people should be doing and don't get caught up in the voice that you think you heard for someone else's life. If someone gives you a prophetic word, it's a gift from God. If it's true and if it builds you up, that's great. Put it on the shelf. Let it sit there. Honor it. Thank God for the gift of people. If it's discouraging, throw it away, right? But if it's encouraging, you put it on the shelf. You put it there because you root yourself in grace, not in the words of man and not in the books of old. And Jesus shines and he says, hear him. And I want to do something I've never done before. I want to ask you, please, church, if you're new, please buy a Bible and bring it with you on Sundays. Because God wants to speak to you personally. 
He wants to whisper things in your ears. Revelation says, listen to the wind words. Others can't hear them. You've got to savor His voice. We're living in a world today that's noisy. I don't need to tell you all of this, but as I stood there in front of the Caesarea Philippi and I considered all the events that were taking place, I longed to have been in that moment and then I got reminded by him, my moment's far greater because the Spirit has come and he's illuminated everything that they got to see in the physical, in the spiritual. I have even greater things in my life than they had in theirs. There's an even greater story developing in me than was in them. But I wanna encourage you to like get really excited about this. And I'm not talking about you must wake up at hoppers four every morning and do your quiet time, 15 minutes. You don't do that, God can't bless you, sorry. Like, that's religious thinking. I'm talking about you just keep this thing so close to you. And when you need help, you open it. And, and, and when you start your day, you open it. And when you, and when you go to sleep, you open it. And when you're in ch- together in church, go figure, we open the Bible. You gotta savor His voice. I'm gonna be honest with you, I preach and... Uh, there are times. That's why I love the album that you guys have written, Mecca. Because it just lifts up Jesus. I just love it. But when I preach and I speak a lot and I'm speaking in conversations and I'm speaking to my family and I'm watching myself on these little Instagram clips online coming up as I'm mindlessly scrolling and I'm YouTubing it to sort of feel and I'm eventually I'm like, I get so tired of my voice, I'll be honest. Maybe you're tired of yours too. Why don't you stand with me this morning? If you know, you know. I feel an authority coming on this place. I feel authority coming on this house. I do. Do and if that sounds arrogant, you don't know my king. He loves his kids. He's not messing around with his church. 